Felicitations, malefactors. Welcome to Luke Larson, Sports Doctor. The first episode of this podcast, and hopefully the first of many that I will be doing. Welcome, everyone. Today, what I thought I would do is touch on a topic that is probably the most controversial, or one of the most controversial in sports, certainly, Um, and that is the greatest college football team of all time. Now, before I get into it, I wanted to start with the criteria that I used to come up with my rankings, just so everyone is, is on the same page, just so that nobody accuses me of, you know, leaving things out on purpose or, or having any sort of bias towards, you know, one team or another. But what I did, the, the, the criteria that I came up with was, first off, you had to go undefeated and win a national championship. Okay, that's the first thing. Um, you know, a lot of people will argue that there are certain teams that maybe have one loss that also won a national championship that might be better than some of these teams. That's fine. Um, when you're talking about the greatest team of all time, I think you have to be, I think you have to nitpick. I think you have to be, <clears throat> I think you have to try to poke as many holes in in these teams as you possibly can. And so when I when I thought about that sort of bedrock foundation, I said, okay, you have to be undefeated and you have to have won the national championship in the season in which you played. Now the other another criteria that I use, the other main criteria that I use, I should say, is I really didn't look at too many teams prior to the late 1960s. The reason I didn't is because of how different the game, the, the, the college game at least, is or was back then as compared to post the late 1960s. So that is my, those were my, the criteria that I sort of started with that, that were my, my bedrock foundational criteria for me to, for me to even consider you as, as, as one of the greatest, as the greatest college football team of all time. So, without further ado, and with, with that criteria in mind, let's get started. So, first off, um, I did have a plus one because there were there were really 11 teams that I was looking at more than others. Um, the plus one that I added was 1979 Alabama. Now, look, uh, quick, quick facts on some of these, um, and I should have mentioned this before. Quick, what I'll do with the first like 11 through 4, is I'll go over, I'll, I'll give you who the team is, I'll give you a few reasons why I put them there, and I won't go into a lot of detail with those. The top three teams on my list, I will go into more detail um, with those teams, and then at the end, once I've given all of my rankings, I will um, kind of give the, the, the reasons, the main reasons why I ordered those three the way that I did, and why I came to the conclusion that I did. Um, so, like I said, first off, the, the, the sort of plus one that I had was 1979 Alabama. Um, they had, uh, they went undefeated, obviously, 12-0, 6-0 in the Southeastern Conference. Um, their best win was against uh, number six Alabama, or sorry, number six Arkansas, excuse me, in the, uh, in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, that was a team that was, that is what widely considered one of Bear Bryant's best. Um, they had uh, 16, they, they held... Every team but two um, to single digits uh, scoring-wise. 
one of the most dominant defenses in college football history. Certainly for that time it was. Um, so I had that as sort of the plus one, the number 11, if you will. Number 10, I had 2005 Texas. Uh, they went 13-0, 8-0 in the Big 12. Obviously won the Big 12 championship that year. Uh, their best win was against number 20 Texas Tech. And if you need a reason, another reason why I had them there, it, two words, Vince Young. Number nine, I had... 1987 Miami Hurricanes. They went 12 and 0. Uh, they were an independent at the time, so they obviously didn't play a conference schedule. Um, they beat six ranked teams that year, um, including a victory over number one Oklahoma in the Orange Bowl for the national championship. Um, I had actually their best win um, that year, other than obviously beating Oklahoma in the Orange Bowl. Um, I had at number four, Florida State. That was Florida State's only defeat that year. Florida State had a really good team that year. And um, going into Doak Campbell Stadium and being able to pull out a victory uh, over their, their in-state rival was a big one. I thought that that was a, uh, their best win other than the national championship game. Now, for the next three, um, for eight, seven, and six, I, I kind of went with more of a, uh, a recency bias, if you will. Um, and the main reason I did this was, and you can call it just because of, I saw these teams all within the last three to four years. Um, but the main reason that I, that I picked these teams, these next three is the, the incredible explosion of offense that all of these teams had. Um, you would be hard pressed to, come up with a, a legitimate argument that these aren't three of the best offenses in college football history for the next three teams that I'm going to give you. So number eight, I had 2020 Alabama. Um, that was the uh, the COVID year. That was kind of everybody, most teams played just a, a conference schedule. Um, now for somebody like Alabama, um, when you played they they put an entire SEC schedule. SEC is is you know as much as I hate to admit it is the strongest conference um, in college football. Uh, they played eleven SEC games, including the SEC title game, um, and then obviously won both games in the college football playoff to go thirteen and zero and win the national championship. Um, their best win uh, was against number three Ohio State in the national championship game that year. Again, um, explosive offense. Um, yeah, I mean, one of the one of the best offenses you'll you'll ever find in college football history. Number seven, I had twenty eighteen Clemson. Now, what's interesting about this team is if if you go through their schedule, um, you'll find that their first few games were were kind of underwhelming. Um, but what happened was is that uh, Trevor Lawrence, who was actually a freshman that year, actually split time with. The, the the quarterback who actually started the season, I'm blanking on his name, I believe it was Kelly Hunter. Um, he split time as, a star, as Clemson's starting quarterback, but once Trevor Lawrence took over the full-time starting job, that's when Clemson's offense really took off and exploded. They went 15-0, 8-0 in conference, obviously won the ACC. Um, their best win was over number one Alabama in the national championship game uh, and, and really dominated Alabama in that game. It, that was not a close game that uh, that night. So uh, 2018 Clemson at number seven. Number six, I had 2019 LSU. Now, of the three teams that I was looking at 
uh, as sort of the, the the recent teams that I was looking at, I should say. This offense is probably the best. Um, led by quarterback Joe Burrow. Um, you go through their schedule and no one could slow these guys down. This, this was one of the most explosive offenses we have ever seen um, in college football history. Really, the only thing that was stopping them was, was themselves. Um, they beat seven ranked teams that year. Now, considering the fact that you that you know you play fifteen, they they played fifteen games. They went fifteen and zero. That's nearly half of their schedule against ranked teams. Uh, I had their best win over number three Clemson in the national championship game. The reigning national champs. Um, they made them look pretty ordinary that night. Um, so yes, at number six, I had twenty nineteen LSU. Now, for number five and number four, I went back a little ways. Um, and for number five, I actually, I had forgotten about how good this team actually was. Um, it is 1972 USC. Uh, they went 12-0, uh, 7-0 in the pack. Back then it was the pack eight. <laughs> um, they beat, now out of 12 games, now consider this. We talked about uh, 2019 LSU beating seven ranked teams in 15 games. 1972 USC beat six ranked teams in 12 games. Uh, very impressive. That team loaded with pros. John McKay was a great head coach, um, certainly for that time, if not all time. Um, their best win I had at, uh, over number three Ohio State in the Rose Bowl, back when you had uh, bowl affiliations in the Pac-12 the pack, pack champ, Pac-10 champ, whatever you want to call it played the Big Ten champ and in the Rose Bowl, and that was their best win. They won the national championship that year, obviously, um, going 12-0 for John McKay. At number four, I had 1971 Nebraska. Now, being a, someone who lives in Nebraska, there's, there's a debate between the sort of the older generation, and, and, and I wouldn't necessarily say the younger generation, but sort of the the middle generation about who the best team in Nebraska football history is, uh, 1971 Nebraska or 1995 Nebraska. I, this could just be because of the generation that I grew up in and maybe it is. Um, but I had 1971 Nebraska at number four all time. They went 13 and 0, seven and 0 in the big eight. Um, they beat three teams that finished number two, number three, and number four in the final poll. They beat all of those teams. And what's amazing is two of those teams were actually conference opponents. The team that finished number two was Oklahoma. Obviously, they, uh, that uh, Nebraska beat Oklahoma in the game of the century that year. That was Oklahoma's only loss. They finished number two. Uh, the team that finished number three, interestingly enough, was Colorado. Um, and their only two losses were to Nebraska and Oklahoma. And then the team that finished number four, interestingly enough, was Alabama, the team that Nebraska beat in the Orange Bowl that year for the national championship. So you could argue that it certainly the top of Nebraska's schedule that year was certainly one of the toughest, if not the toughest of all time. Um, stifling defense, uh, an offense that played great complimentary football with Jeff Kinney 
and uh, Jerry Taggy, and certainly had uh, the 1972 Heisman Trophy winner, Johnny Rogers, playing wingback. That certainly is is a team that, that deserves a lot more recognition. I think a lot of people give them credit for. Now, on to my top three. So at number three, and again, like I mentioned before, I'll go into, uh, for these top three teams, I'll go into a little bit more detail about their stats and, and uh, some of their accomplishments. But one other thing that I will also do for these top three teams, because again, we have to, we have to be able to distinguish between who the greatest team of all time is, not just who's one of the greatest teams of all time. So for these next three, I will also include um, some things that sort of work against the argument um, for them being the, the greatest team of all time. And then after I'm done with the, the number one, my number one team, my best team of all time, I'll go into some details about sort of why I arrived at the conclusion I did. Um, just so there's, 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 there's a method to my madness, essentially. So at number three, I had 2004 USC. Um, they, they won their games by an average of 38.2 points scored to 13 points given up. Um, the 38 points that they scored was sixth in the country. The 13 points that they gave up was third in the country. Uh, they passed for 271 yards a game rushed for 177 yards a game for a total offense per game of 449. They had a plus 1.4 turnover differential. Um, their, their best sort of regular season win was over a Aaron Rodgers-led Cal team that finished 10-2, 23-17 in that one. Um, defensively, they allowed 100, essentially 200 yards passing per game, um, and allowed 79 yards rushing per game for a 279 total yards given up per game. Um, they beat three ranked teams. Uh, their best win, obviously, a lot of people remember um, the national championship game against Oklahoma. Uh, they, they won that game 55-19. to 19. Uh, Certainly, uh, you know, I, I did have a chance to watch a few of the the games of these last three teams, uh, so I could get sort of more of a feel of how those games went, not just looking at the score and the stats and, and, and sort of deriving my own uh, opinions out of that. I did watch a few of these games. Um, that game was actually probably more of a blowout than than it than it appeared. Oklahoma actually uh, scored first. They led seven nothing um, about halfway through the the first quarter, and after so after that, they you know USC outscored them fifty five to twelve. Um, so it actually was probably far worse than, than this score even indicated. Um, now, a couple things uh, with this team that sort of um, work against their case. Um, not comparing them to the other two, just some facts that sort of work against their case for being the best team of all time. Um, they actually, the 4 USC actually trailed at the half of three games that season, and all three of those games were against unranked opponents. Um, I thought that was very interesting. Um, I did not know that before doing my research in this game uh, on this team, and so that that caught me off guard. And then they had, um, in addition to obviously trailing at the half of three of those games, they had a couple of games against <clears throat> what you, I guess you, what you would call average to below average, if not maybe bad opponents. So they beat. Four and seven Stanford again. Four and seven, they beat them thirty-one to twenty-eight. Not exactly, 
not exactly a, a, a great-looking victory there um, over subpar competition. And then they beat um, an Oregon State team that went 7-5, and five, so not terrible, but certainly an average team. Uh, they beat them 28-20. to 20. So, number three all-time for me, 2004 USC Trojans. Number two, my second best team of all time, the 2001 Miami Hurricanes. Now, uh, this team uh, scored 42.7 points per game. That was good enough for third in the country. And they only allowed 9.8 points per game. That was the best in the country. Uh, their offense, they, had, uh, they, they threw for 250 yards passing per game. And they had 204 yards rushing per, per game for a total offense of 454.8 yards per game. Uh, defensively, they uh, allowed 138 yards passing per game and gave up 132 yards rushing per game for a total yards allowed per game of 270.9. Um, they had a, a, a very good um, turnover differential at plus 2.4 per game, um, which is very good um, for any era, really. Um, their, their best win, um, this was, this was for, for this 01 Miami team, it was difficult for me to find their best win. So I just kind of went really with their, their, their national championship game win over number four, Nebraska. Um, and yes, you heard that right. Their national championship win over number four, Nebraska. We'll get to that later. Um, they won that game 37-14 to 14 and, and kind of like the USC game before it. Uh, that game was not as close as the, the score even indicated. Um, the, the, the knock, one knock on this team that as I was going through their schedule was they beat several above average to good teams, but they really didn't beat any great teams. There, there weren't really any great teams on their schedule. There were good teams. But there really weren't any great teams on their schedule. Um, they beat eight and four Boston College, eighteen to seven. Not not really that impressive. Um, and they beat eight and four Virginia Tech, twenty six to twenty four. That's more of a rivalry game, so you can give them a little bit of slack on that one. But still, not not exactly blowing out or or dominating. You could say their highest level. Um, their highest level competition. Um, so, with that said, my number one greatest team of all time, the 1995 Nebraska Cornhuskers. They scored 53.2 points per game. That was the best in the country. And they gave up 14.5 points per game. That was good for fourth best in the country. They rushed for 399.8 yards per game and threw for 156.4 yards per game for a total offense of 556.3 per game. Uh, defensively, they gave up uh, 78.3 yards rushing per game and allowed 215.7 yards passing per game for a total defense of 294.1 yards per game given up total. 
their their best win, obviously, was the Fiesta Bowl, the '96 Fiesta Bowl that year, beating number two Florida, 62 to 24, in the and what was what was really hyped as one of the first true national championship games, just because it pitted an undefeated number one versus an undefeated number two. Um, which back then didn't happen very often and still really doesn't happen incredibly often today. Um, now, as far as some knocks on this team, well, I guess I should say um, they beat four teams they that finished with 10 or more wins. And all four of those teams finished in the top 10. And all but, obviously, Florida won their bowl game. Um, the three that did were obviously Kansas State, Colorado, and Kansas. Yes, Kansas went 10-2 and two in 1995, um, and all those teams finished in the top 10 of every poll. Um, now, some knocks on this team. Um, their closest game was against Washington State. They won that game by 14 points, and Washington State only finished 3-8 and eight that year. Um, not exactly the best, the best team. Um, and there's an element to that that we'll obviously get to later when I go through my differentials of why I arrived at the conclusion that I did. Um, and another thing that I note that I that I found out that kind of um, that, that I thought was interesting um, that I didn't know was that in th- on three occasions um, they were held to less than half of what they averaged rushing per game. So in other words, they averaged about 400 yards rushing per game. On three separate occasions, they were held below half of that on the season. So they had a couple of games where they the rushing game wasn't there, and their their sort of their bread and butter was not um, was kind of held in check, really. Um, so that's a couple of of, uh, of reasons why uh, they a couple of knocks on the ninety five the ninety five Huskers. Okay, now that you have my top three, number three being 04 USC, number two being 01 Miami, and my number one being 1995 Nebraska, um, how did I differentiate between those three? Because, I mean, if you look at, if you were to look up any list of the greatest college football teams of all time, certainly in, 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 modern, in the modern era, those three teams that I just mentioned are going to be on everybody's list. And most of them are going to always be in the top five. Um, of of <clears throat> of every list that's that's put out there. So, how did I differentiate between these two? What 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 did I use? What arguments did I sort of go through in my head to determine that 04 USC was number three, 01 Miami was number two, and then the '95 Huskers were my uh, were my greatest team of all time? Well, the first thing that I that I came up with was um, it had to do with the 1995 Huskers, and that was that. Their best player didn't play most of the season. A lot of people remember the sort of the argument between Tommy Frazier, uh, Nebraska's quarterback, and Eddie George, Ohio State's running back, uh, as to who should win the Heisman Trophy. What a lot of people don't remember, they, they remember why this, this player didn't play, but they don't remember what this player was doing prior to him not playing. So... The player that I'm referring to, obviously, is Lawrence Phillips. Now, Lawrence Phillips um, obviously had plenty of off-the-field issues in his career. I'm not here to worry about you know any off-the-field issues because a lot of these teams that I've talked about all had 
off the field issues. Um, but he was suspended for, I believe, six games that season. And played in the in the other three that in the last three games of the regular season, he he played sparingly, he played as a backup role, didn't really get a lot um, of carries, was was kind of a non-factor in the offense. But in the three games that he played at full strength, so the first game against Oklahoma State, the second game against Michigan State, and then obviously the Fiesta Bowl against number two Florida. In those three games, he averaged 200 yards rushing per game and was but in the, certainly in the early season was the front runner for the Heisman. Now, I'm not saying that he would have averaged 200 yards rushing per game because I don't think he would have. But for a majority of the 1995 season, Nebraska was without its best player. And its best player was not Tommy Frazier. Its best player was Lawrence Phillips. And the player that they were without was... In all honesty, probably the player that should have won the Heisman Trophy, or I should say would have won the Heisman Trophy had he not gotten suspended. Um, so Nebraska, all those stats that I gave, all those, those points per game, all the, you know, the, the yard, rushing yards per game that I gave, that was all without Lawrence Phillips, or mostly without Lawrence Phillips, who I believe at that time certainly was... If, not, if he wasn't the best player in the country, was one of the best players in the country. Now, on top of that, not only did Nebraska do all that offensively, lead the country in scoring, lead the country in rushing, not only did he do that without their best running back, but a lot of people forget, they lost their second string running back to an injury in the very next game after Michigan State. And then they lost their third string running back to injury in the fourth game of the season. So that Washington State game that I brought up, that was that was Nebraska's closest game of the season, was actually the first game that 95 Nebraska had where they were starting their fourth string running back. And he was a true freshman by the name of Amon Green. Now, a lot of people, certainly in college and pro circles, know Amon Green and what he became. Still the Packers' all-time leading rusher, I believe. Um... But he was not the Amon Green we we knew he would we know he became. This was 18-year-old Amon Green. That was the starting running back for the most of the season. He rushed for over a thousand yards that year. Um, but Nebraska was essentially doing this with their fourth string running back for a vast majority of the season. Okay, so. When I look at how at the fact that 95 Nebraska is considered one of the greatest teams of all time by most people, and I realize that they did that without their best player for a majority of the season, I can't help but think what would have happened had Lawrence Phillips been eligible the entire season. Okay, so that's the first thing. The, the second point uh, that I'd like to bring up is 04 USC played a lot of close games. They played four games that were all within one score. And, you know, there's an old saying that the best teams find a way to win. I think when you're talking about the greatest teams of all time, it can't be that the greatest team of all time found ways to win games. The greatest team of all time 
needs to dominate. 04 USC didn't do that as often as 01 Miami, certainly, and for sure 95 Nebraska did. 04 USC didn't do that. They didn't dominate the same way that the other two teams ahead of them did. So that's that was one one reason why I had I, I was putting 04 USC at number three on my list. Now, another reason going through some of these teams is if you go back through my top 10 plus one list, 01 Miami, does anyone know who, and I'm asking this rhetorically, obviously, does anyone remember who 01 Miami's coach that year was? The answer is a man by the name of Larry Coker. Now, as I went back through the 10 or 11 teams on my list, Larry Coker was probably, and, and, and I, 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 will, I will not even say probably, Larry Coker was the worst coach of any team on my list. He's the only one, he's the only coach of any team on my list to get fired from the position that he held. None of the other 10 teams fired that coach. Except for if you want to call Mac Brown a firing from Texas, I, I, they, they mutually parted ways. But Owen Miami had, I think, by far the worst coach of any other team on this list. I mean, it's, it, it was not even close, in my opinion, when I went through some of the, the coaches that are on. I mean, you're talking Bear Bryant. You're talking Tom Osborne. You're talking John McKay. I mean... Heck, even even the more recent coaches. I mean, Ed Orgeron at LSU in 2019. I mean, he got they 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 mutually. It, you know, if you want to call that a firing, fine. But I I would take Ed Orgeron over Larry Coker. I'd take Dabo Swinney over Larry Coker. I'd certainly take Nick Saban over Larry Coker. Um, you know, you're talking about Jimmy Johnson at Miami. I mean, Larry Coker in 1987 at Miami. Larry Coker was by far the worst coach on this list. So, if you're talking about, you know, being able to prepare a team for playing a big-time college football game, I mean... I'd get through every other coach on the li- on that list before I'd get to Larry Coker. So that was a knock on 01 Miami that I had. Now, another reason which again, th- this is this this is a completely subjective reason for me. But as I went through and I was thinking about 01 Miami and I was thinking about 04 USC I think that there is a very, very strong argument to be made, more so than 1971 Nebraska over 1995 Nebraska, that those two teams, 01 Miami and 04 USC, those two teams were not even the best teams in their program's history. You could make the argument that 02 Miami was actually better than 01 Miami. And you can make the argument, a very good argument, that 05 USC was better than 04 USC. 
And I think, you know, if you were to put those teams in a seven-game series with each other, I think 05 USC would would win that seven-game series, and I think 02 Miami would win that seven-game series. So it's it's hard for me to put a team at the, the greatest team of all time when I don't think that they were even the greatest team in their program's history. I I don't know how I could do that. So that was another knock on 01 Miami and 04 USC. Now, another, another interesting fact. We talked about how 04 USC had several close games that season. 01 Miami really had two. They had the Virginia Tech one that they won by two. And then they, the, the other game that they had that was close was the game against Boston College. Now, a lot of people, I guarantee you, if I showed this play, they would recognize it. Because it was probably the play of the year by future Hall of Famer Ed Reed. And what happened was is Boston College trailed Miami 11-7 to late in the fourth quarter and was driving. They were inside Miami's 30. They were driving. They, were, they, were, they could have scored the game-winning touchdown and we wouldn't even be having this discussion about 0-1 Miami. But a defensive lineman for Miami picked off a pass from Boston College quarterback, started returning it. Out of nowhere... Ed Reed comes up behind his own defensive lineman, takes the ball away from him, and runs the rest of the way for a touchdown. And Miami would win that game 18-7. to Now, look, I'm not saying that we need to take anything away from the players who made that play. It was an amazing play by the defensive lineman, and it was a, a, an all-time play from in my opinion, the greatest safety to ever play football in Ed Reed. But if that's what it takes to beat 8-4 and four Boston College, when again, when we're talking about the greatest team of all time, that can't be a positive argument for your side. If it takes arguably the play of the year, to stay undefeated. It's, it's hard for me to, to chalk that up as an argument for you being the greatest team of all time. And in fact, I would argue that because we have to be so nitpicky, that would actually be an argument that works against your case as the greatest team of all time. So that's one aspect of it. That's another argument for it. Now, there's another there's another reason that, that I that I sort of went through that I noticed when I was looking at, and this is for both 04 USC and 01 Miami. Neither one of them in their national championship games. It's arguable that they didn't play, neither one of those teams played the second best team in the country in their national championship games. Now look, let me preface what I'm about to say by saying, I'm not saying that if they had, they would have lost. That's not my argument. But 
I do believe that there is at least a chance and, and quite a good possibility that the games would have been far closer than they otherwise were. So let me tell you what I mean. So a lot of people remember in 2004, and we're, obviously we're talking about 04 USC here. In 2004, there were actually five teams that were undefeated going into the bowls. There was Boise State, there was Utah, there was Auburn, there was Oklahoma, and there was USC. Now, Boise State was the only team to lose in their bowl game. They lost to Louisville. But Auburn was undefeated. Won their bowl game, finished their season undefeated, never played for a national championship. Never even, never even got the chance. Now, look, you're not going to... I am the last person that's going to be an SEC apologist here, okay? I'm not... You will find very, very few times where I argue for the SEC. But, you, 04 USC beat Oklahoma that year by 36. Auburn couldn't have done any better. That, that Auburn team couldn't have made it any closer. I mean, I guess you can you can say that, and that's certainly possible. But 04 USC may not have played the second best team in the country that year. Now, I won't I won't get into Utah, who also finished undefeated, um, or Boise State, who obviously lost their bowl game, so th- th- they don't even they don't even factor into this discussion. But there's an argument to be made that USC, 04 USC, did not play the second best team in the country for the national championship that year. There's an argument for that. I'm not, I'm not saying that that is the case, but there's certainly an argument for that. There's certainly an argument for that. The same thing is true with 01 Miami. The Nebraska team that they played in that national championship game, I mean, look, you're talking to a Nebraska fan, and that Nebraska team did not deserve to play in the Rose Bowl against that Miami team. They, did, they, did, they didn't deserve it. <coughs> Excuse me. It, it probably should have been Oregon, um, a team that finished with one loss on the season. They, they blew out Colorado um, in the bowl game, finished number two in most polls, if not every poll. Probably should have been Oregon. Now, again, I'm not saying that Oregon would have beaten Miami that year. I'm not saying that Auburn would have beaten USC in 04. But what I am saying is, is that it there's at least an argument to be made that the teams that, the, the games that we utilize to show that, oh, this is one of the greatest teams, if not the greatest team of all time, because look at how they blew out this team. Well, yes, they blew out a very good team. But did they did they blow out who truly was the second best team in the country that year, in 04 and 01? I personally, at the very least, we we'd have to argue that we don't know. At least we'd have to argue that we don't know. Okay, now compare that. Compare that with 95 Nebraska, who dominated number two Florida. In the Fiesta Bowl that year, 62 to 24. Florida was clearly the second best team in the country that season. 
And you can prove that. Well, one of the ways you can prove that. Look at who number three was. Tennessee. Tennessee only had one loss that year. Do you want to know who that was to? The Florida Gators. And by the way, that game wasn't close. Florida beat Tennessee that year 62-37. to They beat Peyton Manning-led Tennessee by four scores. Okay? Florida was clearly the second best team in the country. Clearly the second best team in the country. And Nebraska dominated them. Compare that with, again, at the very least, the uncertainty of who 01 Miami beat in their title game and who 04 USC beat in their title game. And whether or not those teams were the second best teams in the country that year. For 95 Nebraska, they clearly did. They clearly beat the second best team in the country that year. 01 Miami and 04 USC did not. At least, we don't know if they did or not. So, we at least have certainty that Nebraska was clearly the best team in the country in 1995. Now, I'm not saying that 04 USC and 01 Miami weren't clearly the best teams in the country those years either. But again, we don't know. We don't know for sure. We don't know how Miami versus Oregon would have gone in 01. We don't know how USC versus Auburn would have gone in 04. We don't know. They never happened. But for 95 Nebraska, we know. They beat clearly the second best team in the country and dominated the clearly second best team in the country. There were even polls after the season who put Tennessee at number two ahead of Florida because of how badly that game went. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, I, look, I, I think Florida should have been number two in every poll, but it, it shows how badly Nebraska put themselves ahead of the pack in 1995. 01 Miami and 04 USC did not do that, certainly to the same extent that 95 Nebraska did. And again, you might say, that's, that's really nitpicky, Luke. You're really getting it. For the greatest team of all time, we have to be nitpicky. We, we, can't, we can't sweep some things under the rug. Every little detail has to be brought up, has to be uncovered. Okay, now, if you want me to go on in, into a that you know Nebraska 95 didn't really play the greatest strength of schedule in the world. The Big 8 was was not a great conference that season. It was top heavy, right? As a lot of people say. Um look, I'll I'll I'll, I'll agree with that argument to an extent. I mean, think about it. You you had four teams in the Big 8 that finished with 10 wins or greater. And the the three teams, Kansas State, Colorado, and Kansas, the three teams that finished below I guess you could say in a tie for second um, in the Big 8, their conference losses were to Nebraska and each other. They All three of those teams beat every other team in the Big 8. Now, what is that? How, how does that make the Big 8 look stronger than a lot of people think it is? Well, this way. If you think about it, you just named half the Big 8. Nebraska, Kansas State, Kansas, and Colorado. Okay, None of the teams in the bottom four beat eight, any one of those teams. Okay, so if you're looking at a program like, let's say, Oklahoma in 1995, if right off the bat you're not beating Nebraska, Kansas, Kansas State, or Colorado, 
that only leaves you with three potential conference wins. So it's not like there was a bunch of wins to go around in the Big 8. Because you had these teams that were so far and away better than everybody else. So I I get the the weak Big 8 argument. I've heard it before. I get it. And look, yeah, I mean, you know, Iowa State and Missouri were not good teams that year. Iowa State had a Heisman Trophy candidate, actually. They, Troy Davis, finished fifth in the Heisman Trophy voting in 95. Oklahoma, you know, obviously that wasn't vintage Oklahoma. You know, Oklahoma State was was rebuilding. They had a new coach. But it's not like there were a lot of wins to go around anyway. Because Kansas, Kansas State, and Colorado, and obviously Nebraska, were so far and away better than those other four teams. So, I get the argument. I don't think it really works that well. Now, another sort of, I guess the last sort of reason that I, that I came to the conclusion that I did is let's take the three teams that I mentioned in the top three. Take them out of the season in which they played. In other words, remove them completely from, from, that, from that college football season. Would we consider 04 Oklahoma one of the greatest teams of all time? I doubt it. I mean, they were a good team, but that wasn't, that wasn't a team that you'd put up there as one of the greatest of all time. In 01, I'm, I'm not going to put Nebraska in that. Let's say Oregon. Would we consider 01 Oregon as one of the greatest teams of all time? I don't think so. Take 95 Nebraska out of the 1995 college football season. Are we maybe talking about 95 Florida as one of the greatest teams of all time? I think so. I mean, like like I mentioned before, think about who number three was. Tennessee. Their only loss was to Florida. And Florida blew them out of the water. Think about this. Florida has not had an undefeated season in its program's history. That is about as close as they've gotten. They just ran into the juggernaut that was the 95 Nebraska Cornhuskers. If you take 95 Nebraska out of that season, I think that there is a large group of people, college football experts all the way down to laymen, who would be talking about the 95 Florida Gators as one of the greatest teams of all time. Not, not the best, but one of the best. Now, what does that mean? What, what, is, what is me bringing up that mean? Well, what it means is that 0-1 Miami in its title game didn't beat one of the greatest teams of all time, even if they would have played Oregon. 0-4 USC didn't beat one of the greatest teams of all time in its title game. We're not even sure if Oklahoma was deserving of number two that year. 95 Nebraska beat one of the greatest teams of all time in its title game and dominated them. Made them look like made them look like they were Missouri defensively. No offense to Missouri fans. And took a guy in Danny Werfel who would win the Heisman Trophy next year and made him look very ordinary. Three interceptions. One return for a touchdown. 
And think about it. That very same Florida team, the very next season, would win the national championship in 1996. The 1995 Nebraska Cornhuskers beat an incredibly good Florida Gators team that year. I would argue one of the greatest teams of all time. They're just overshadowed because of how poorly they looked against that 95 Huskers team. But that doesn't mean that the 95 Florida Gators were worse than we think. That just means that the 95 Huskers were a lot better than we think. So, that to me, that's a lot of what-if-ism, and I get that. But that to me is actually one of the stronger arguments for the 95 Huskers being the greatest team of all time is that in their title game, they beat one of the greatest teams of all time, the 95 Florida Gators, a team that without, without Nebraska that season would have been clearly the best team in the country. So, and then the last thing I want to go over real quick is, of course, we, we talked about coaching. Obviously, Pete Carroll was a great college coach. Um, a lot of people forget that he really, I mean, his best success really only came with one group of guys. And that was obviously 03, 04, 05. If you look at the rest of his USC career, I mean, he was good, but he wasn't great. And then, of course, you're comparing Larry Coker and Pete Carroll to arguably one of the greatest college football coaches ever in Tom Osborne. Um, if you if you said that I have to pick one of those three coaches to prepare for a big-time national championship game, I'm taking Osborne over those other two guys every day of the week. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about how 0-1 Miami is the most talented team of all time. The reason I didn't really address that is because, to me, it's not just about how much talent you have, particularly in football. It's not necessarily about how much talent you have. It's, can the coach get the most out of the talent that he has? I don't think Larry Coker could. Certainly not the way Pete Carroll or Tom Osborne could. And another thing about it is, are we talking about the level of talent that 01 Miami had based on the kind of pros they became? Because if, if that's what we're talking about, then I completely agree with you. But if we're talking about what type of players they were in college, they were great players in college. But again, I trust, I don't, let me put it this way. I don't trust Larry Coker to get the most out of the talent that he had the same way that I would a Pete Carroll at USC and a Tom Osborne at Nebraska. Like I said, Larry Coker, I, I'm sure he's a great person. I've never met the guy. I'm sure he's a great person. Not a great college football coach. He was he he inherited a, a loaded roster, admittedly from from Butch Davis, who got fired after going eleven and one, um, and was able to get one game better. Uh, I mean, congratulations to Coker for winning a title. I mean, nobody will ever take that away from him. But he's certainly in the top three. He's third. Um, in my top 10 plus one list, he's he, he's definitely 11th, in my opinion. Certainly in the bottom three. 
So coaching matters, particularly in college football. Larry Coker was not a great coach. Tom Osborne was. Pete Carroll was good. I wouldn't say he was a great college coach. He was a good college coach. He wasn't great. So all those reasons that I just mentioned are the reasons why I put 95 Nebraska number one, 01 Miami number two, and 04 USC number three. I think that 01 Miami is is probably number two just, just because of... They, they didn't have nearly as many close games as 04 USC did. They were more dominant. And so... I give them the edge over 04 USC, but I wanted to spend more time on why I picked number one the way that I did, as opposed to why I had number two and number three. If you if you flip those, if you put 04 USC at number two and 01 Miami number three, I won't lose sleep over it. I'm not gonna, you know, say that you're 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 wrong because I see arguments for it. But to me, 01 Miami was more dominant than 04 USC was. And again, when we're talking about the greatest teams of all time. Dominance has to be a criteria. 01 Miami was more dominant than 04 USC. So that's why I had 95 Nebraska number one, 01 Miami number two, and 04 USC number three. So so that's my top 10 plus one list for this week. Great first podcast. Love talking college football history. I'm I'm a college football nerd like that. Thank you for listening. I hope you all have a fantastic day. And we'll see you next time on Luke Larson, Sports Doctor.